Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Good Tech Fest podcast. My name is Andrew Means, and I am the founder of Good Tech Fest. I am so excited for today's conversation with Beth Cantor and Allison Fine about their new book, The Smart Nonprofit. But before we begin, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Good Tech Fest podcast is brought to you today by Auth0. At Auth0, they provide the building blocks developers need to secure their applications, written in any language or on any stack, without having to become security experts. Why build from scratch when you can get up and running almost instantly and with far less risk? Check out Auth0.com to get started for free today. Beth, Allison, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Great to be here. Why don't we begin uh, by you just introducing yourselves for those that don't know you. And why don't we start with Beth and then we'll have Allison introduce yourself. Sure, Andrew. So I've been working in the nonprofit sector my whole career, sort of at the intersection of uh, nonprofit uh, tech and uh, mission-driven work. And I work as a trainer, facilitator, and author, of course. And the areas that I'm focused on are digital transformation, particularly like the cultural aspect and um, workplace well-being. Uh, This is Allison. Like Beth, I've spent my entire career in the social sector. I had a first career uh, in program evaluation, uh, running an organization called Innovation Network. And a second career uh, at the intersection of tech and social good. Uh, I've written four books on that topic, two with Beth, the network nonprofit, and now the smart nonprofit. Absolutely. So Allison, I mean, clearly Beth, you and Allison have both written books together. Allison, I'd love for you to share why this book, Why Now? What motivated you to write the smart nonprofit? Uh, About three years ago, Andrew, we started to do work with the Gates Foundation Uh, looking at the ways that newer AI platforms could open up fundraising, um, create greater generosity, and do a better job of matching donors and causes. And, you know, we're always looking at what's next. And it was so clear to us that we were at this really critical inflection point with AI. Uh, And we had seen this before with social media and other digital, um, you know, tools uh, that, the cost of the tools were coming way down, the power's going way up, and what feels like an instance, even though it took a really long time, everyday people and organizations now had these incredible, uh, incredibly powerful um, advanced digital tools using AI and machine learning and other, you know, like uh, technologies uh, at their disposal. And we feel that one thing we're really good at is being the broker between technology and nonprofit organizations. And we want to explain how to use it for good and well within your organization. Absolutely. I definitely have seen the rise of AI inside of organizations. And and Beth, I'd love to hear from you. How have you seen nonprofits adopting AI? How has that changed over the last 10 years or so? 
Oh, that's a great question, Andrew. And you know what? I want to step back for a moment and, and say one of the reasons why we started using the terminology smart tech is, um, you know, you may know that Alice and I have been like writing about this topic for a couple of years and we were saying, you know, AI for good, artificial intelligence. And we got a lot of pushback from nonprofit leaders thinking, oh, well, that's for the techie department down, you know, down the hall. And we really need to have leaders like lean into this. So smart tech is sort of an umbrella term for these various te uh, technologies. So one, to answer your question, <laughs> uh, one example that I really love and love to talk about because it's human-centered and it's an organization that's really being this smart nonprofit is the uh, Trevor Project which you may be familiar with, which offers um, counseling uh, services for LBGTQ youth. Um, and so they had a problem, a big problem. Um, they, this counseling requires very particular types of training for people to be on the front line interacting with a potentially suicidal youth. Um, and the problem was that they didn't have enough staff really to do this uh, uh, training because most of the volunteers are working uh, coming to be trained after hours. And of course, like with all nonprofits, we don't have the luxury of having a whole training department. So they developed this uh, bot uh, using a really sophisticated natural language processing uh, algorithm that learns as it goes. Um, and it was fed in data from actual simulations, stripped of all the privacy information so that Riley could be used under very controlled circumstances to train um, volunteers to be counselors. And it kind of shifted the role of staff from actually delivering this training to actually kind of monitoring the training and making sure that the, the counselors were well-trained and delivering a high quality of service. So, and they, they didn't replace the, um, you know, you could like think, oh, we can use a bot and they can replace the counselors and that'll solve our problem. But in this particular use case, you know, it requires human empathy and human judgment. And, and it could be potentially harmful if, you know, a self-learning bot um, in this instance wasn't using the right language. Language can be very hurtful, especially to a teen in crisis. And, and so I think they all around did it right. <laughs> I think that's such a great example um, because I, because one, you know, it does show that a lot of these smart technologies, it's not about displacing people. It's not about like automating our jobs away and like taking away the humanity that our organizations have. It's actually about saying like, there's actually a lot of routine tasks that you might be doing that yeah. like a computer might be able to do for you yeah. so that you can do the things that only you can do as that's a person. Exactly right. That's yeah, exactly so Al yeah. yeah, Allison, tell me more. I mean, like, because I know one of the things, one of the big approaches in this book was about the humanity aspect. Yeah. So, Allison, I'd love for you to share a little bit more of your perspective on that. So, uh, Andrew, you, you nailed it, right? That the idea uh, that we have in this book and our hopes for the sector is that we'll be able to find the sweet spot where the bots are doing what they should be doing, which are those rote tasks. And the people are doing uniquely human things, storytelling, problem solving, relationship building, right? And we want, we, we need organizations, we call smart nonprofits are organizations that are human centric, prepared and reflective in the use of smart tech, right? We need the C-suite in particular to really dig in to making sure that we're getting, uh, we're hitting that um, sweet spot the importance of this, Andrew, is this is the elixir to the great resignation, right? We know work has sucked for most people for a really long time. 
It's always on, right? We've got these toxic work cultures of people just churning through work and organizations churning through people, right? And that's why people would rather stay home uh, in a lot of instances, right? That the work is just not good. Smart tech has the potential to reverse those trends and to rehumanize work and workplaces, but only if leadership uses it well, which is why we say that the great implementation of smart tech is a leadership problem. It's not a technical problem. Absolutely. I, I think it's about that responsible and appropriate use of technology. It's not saying like, let's just automate everything and like use technology for everything. It, it really is about technology can be a powerful tool, but it's one of many tools in our toolkit. It's, it's like, how do we um, roll this out in effective ways and utilize this in effective ways. Beth, from your perspective, you know, for the C-suite leaders that are going to be reading the smart nonprofit um, and listening to you all speak, what is it that you're hoping that they take away? Um, what, what are the like top few lessons that you're hoping folks walk away with from reading the book? Um, that this is really a once in a lifetime opportunity to really close the, you know, close the book on frantic busyness that we have in this sector. And, and we're not saying that smart tech is this magic fairy dust that, you know, adopt it and you will see all these benefits because they really have to think about, you know, this is one piece of it. Technology, as you say, is a tool. There's also uh, cultural change and that, and leaders are so um, influential in leading that change um, that it's not, you know, it's the, the tech is a lever that's going to help us see a lot of these benefits and help us maybe get over this tremendous workforce crisis that's coming in our sector with people like reporting unprecedented levels of burnout. Right. So we're not, you know, using this tech to do more of the same. We're using it holistically to transform our organizations to like really get back to the joy of the work of, and the feeling of being connected and the fulfillment that we all had from joining the sector. We didn't, you know, we didn't become work for nonprofits <laughs> to do grunt work or to, to, you know, to work, you know, and that forces us because there's so much of this unautomated systems that we have to work long hours and we're ending up working weekends and it's keeping us away from like serving those clients or interacting with the donors. Um, so we can't just think of it as this one little part of this one little box, it's whole organization transformation. I love that. Cause I, I do think this is, this is an area where where we really can see greater transformation as a sector, um, where we're I think we are kind of we're much further along than when you know when I started data analysts for good and the do good data conference you know ten years ago we're in a very different place than we were then which I think is exciting but I think it, like it's about this kind of cultural and full organizational transformation that we're still wanting to see where it really is about appropriately leveraging some of these smart technologies to enable us to be more human to enable us to do our jobs in ways that only we can do and allowing kind of computers and smart technologies to take the things that um, are those rote repeated tasks that computers are really good at and, and humans get really bored by. Um, so yeah. I love this kind of intersection that you all have brought together in the smart nonprofit of, of really keeping that humanity centered. And if we're to zoom out, uh, and think about the sector as a whole. Allison, you know, five years from now, where do you want to see the sector? How, if, if organizations were to undergo this transformation, what might the result of that be for the nonprofit sector overall? So five years from now, Andrew, we want to put that last era of what Beth just mentioned of that frantic busyness uh, behind us, right? And we want organizations to be 
um, purpose-driven and to provide really meaningful both work and volunteer opportunities for people. And smart tech comes into that in creating what we call the dividend of time. When you have a bot that is, for instance, approving new invoices, the, the, we just got an email yesterday from the British Red Cross saying that they've been experimenting with a bot in the back office to you know, approve the 400 invoices a day that they normally had a person doing. Now you have freed up the staff to look at uh, the larger financial questions for the organization, to look at process questions, to look at relationships with other um, divisions and departments to actually do the work. So we're looking forward to an era where organizations are being very strategic about the use of smart tech, very, very conscious about the experience of workers in their work cultures, something that Beth is a worldwide expert in, um, and understand their relationship with their constituents on the outside. We hardly ever see organizations right now, Andrew, going out and asking people, their constituents out there, how do we make you feel? How accessible are we? Right? Do we connect with you? Do we make you feel good about us and about our cause? Because they're so frantically busy. So that's a future we can see is possible, but our organizations need some work to get there and some leadership to get there. Yeah, I love, I want to return to that leadership question, Beth, and with you in particular, because you are just such an expert and such an advocate for holistic health and organizations, ensuring that we're, you know, taking care of our people um, in nonprofits. We are seeing burnout at just tremendously high levels. Um, What would you want to say to leaders around the use of technology in supporting a healthier organizational culture? That's a great question, <laughs> Andrew. I, I mean, I keep on thinking, I was reflecting back and while listening to Allison, and, we, and I want to put it in the context of the use case and, and start it sort of fanning out. So let's say in the context of this organizational transformation, we have the fundraising department is adopting smart tech for, say, to automate some of that uh, desk work that you need to do about uh, figuring out who, who are these prospective donors should I be cultivating and to be zeroing in on a relationship or stewardship with, or who do I need to connect with to avoid them lapsing, right? And so this is, can take like 20 or 25 hours worth of desk work for you know a, a fundraiser. And let's say that, um, and we know that tools, uh, smart tech can actually reduce that into like a half hour, okay? So what if we repurpose the other 19 <laughs> and a half hours into actually calling donors, developing donors, um, that fundraiser, or is feeling more fulfilled because they're talking about uh, what the organization does. I mean, that's why they got into the work. Um, their leader probably is seeing an increase in the number of donations, right? Which is enabling the organization to do more work. And we also know that fundraisers, um, there's been many studies, uh, face higher rates of burnout, and also there's a lot of turnover. And so, um, so with this adoption of smart tech and sort of the better, um, seeing uh, more fulfillment at the worker level, at the management level, seeing better results, more dollars, more donors, more retained donors. Then there's the 
oh, well, um, maybe <laughs> if that uh, major gift officer then had clear time, they could plan <laughs> and come up with more in innovative ways to cultivate donors. Maybe they could actually shift to a four-day work week without feeling guilty, <laughs> right? Uh, or without the pressure from senior leadership to be working more, to raise more money, get that, you know, make your numbers. So, so that, I would, yeah, again, we have to look at this holistically and we can't, we have to take this moment. We can't use this tech to like to continue to churn and continue to be transactional and continue to just work at this pace because we're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. I, I think as, as I look back, you know, over the last 10 years uh, of the use of smart technologies and data across the sector, I think we saw this real influx and increase in, we want information. We need lots of information from organizations. And so reporting requirements have been changing, you know, the re asks uh, to our own staff, like you got to put all the information to, to the, to these systems and technologies. And it was, we still let it be though so human intermediated that it actually drove down that work to be very repetitive and, and quite frankly, probably boring for a lot of people. Oh. Like if you're spending half of your job inputting information into systems. Right. Or a spreadsheet aerobics, I call it. Like yes. cut and pasting from one spreadsheet to another. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it's missing. And, you know, or cut, cut and pasting out of email. I mean, exactly. yeah. <laughs> and so we, we, we allow this kind of human intermediation to occur as we were needing more and more information as a sector. And what I love about kind of the way you all are approaching the smart nonprofit um, is it's about like, let's invest in the technology to actually take away some of those tasks. We can still, we, should, we can still have all of the data and insights and all of that that actually helps us do our job better without all of this manual data entry and, and labor. Um, and I think that really shows the, the ROI for leaders is you can get happier, more engaged staff, a better culture, and also better results in the end. Like you can, can fundraise better, you can provide better programming, all of those kind of things improve. And so I'm hoping that through the framing that you all, all wrote about in the smart nonprofit that we're, leaders start to realize the holistic value that they get from investing in smart technologies rather than being like, all right, if I invested in this, how much more money am I going to raise or how many more people am yeah. I going to serve or whatever? It's like, actually, let's, let's take a look at this holistically and see how this improves your organization. Well, so you raise the absolute benefit uh, that we hope people will get from the book and from this work, but also the key challenge, Andrew. Because, you know, we see so many people in the C-suite, when we say digital tech, they lean back because they think it's the same stuff. They think it's just going to make their jobs noisier and busier like the last generation of tech did. So we do need them to listen a little bit more carefully that we are not talking about that tech. We're talking about a very different generation and family of technology that when used well, is going to reduce the noise, uh, reduce the busy work uh, of their jobs. Um, but again, only when it's used uh, strategically and ethically, right? There are all sorts of bias issues that we need to talk about with this tech as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something we, we talk a lot about at Good Tech Fest is some of those <laughs> ethical and, and bias issues. Well, Allison, Beth, thank you so much for joining me today. Congratulations on the release of the book. Um, very excited for, for what's to come in the conversation that you all are sparking. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having us, Andrew. Yes, thank you so much, Andrew. 
Thank you to Beth Cantor and Allison Fine for today's conversation. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and check out goodtechfest.com to learn more about our upcoming conference in May. And be sure to join me next week when I sit down to talk with data viz guru, Anne Emery.